Amen. Lord, we thank you that you have come to us. You took the initiative. When Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden rebelled, sinned, fell, you came to them. And we thank you that you have come to humanity throughout the history of humanity with promises in the Old Testament, the promises of Jesus to come. In the New Testament, the revealing of Jesus by his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Thank you that you take the initiative to come to us. If it was up to us to come to you, we would we'd never be able to do it. So thank you, Lord, for being so gracious and merciful to us today. And we pray once again that you would come to us through your word. Cause our ears to be open to hear, but not only our ears, but our hearts, and not only our hearts, but our very lives. That we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And Lord, we do confess today that we struggle to believe you, and we struggle to obey you. Yet you are gracious and merciful to meet us today once again in your word. And it's in your name that we pray, and all of God's children say, Amen. Amen. We are in a series, uh, in a sermon series through Advent. It's entitled, Unwrapping the Gift. And the gift that we're unwrapping is the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the season of Advent, we're anticipating the coming. We're anticipating the coming of Jesus. And you would think that if we're going to unwrap the gift of Jesus, that we would make a beeline for the, for the New Testament, the Gospels, and that we would uh, go to the Gospels to unwrap the gift of Jesus. But we're actually doing something different. We're, we're, we are going to the Old Testament. And through the Old Testament, we're unwrapping the gift of Jesus. Why, do we, why are we going to the Old Testament? Well, because the Old Testament is about Jesus. The theme of the Bible is one word, Jesus. Jesus is the theme of all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. The theme of the Old Testament is the promise of the coming of Jesus. The theme of the New Testament is the promise of Jesus who has come who has lived and died and was resurrected for us. So the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. And Jesus is first revealed in the book of Genesis in chapter 3. Last week, David preached a beautiful sermon on Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we are given the promise... We're actually given the first gospel in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Theologians call this the proto-evangelion. The proto being the first. Have you ever heard of a prototype? When a car manufacturer uh, wants to develop a, a new type of car, first they'll make a prototype. It's the first of its kind. Genesis 3.15 is the first gospel. The Proto-Evangelion. And in Genesis 3.15, as David read last week, the first promise of Jesus is this. 
And here God is speaking to the enemy. He is speaking to Satan. And God says to Satan, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And here it is. He, a singular personal pronoun, he, a seed of of the woman, he will crush your head, Satan. It's the first promise of Jesus that That someone will be born of a woman. And this one born of a woman will crush the head of Satan. And then it says, and you will strike his heel. Speaking of the agony that Jesus suffered upon the cross. So beginning in Genesis, God comes with a promise The promise of Messiah. The promise of Jesus. Advent is about anticipating the coming. We long, humanity longs for Messiah. And we long for Messiah because we understand, we know that this world is broken. We see it on the TV. We read about it on the internet. Just spend five minutes reading the news. Reading the news about our own community. You know that our world is broken. Look inside of yourself. You know that you're broken. And that you need a savior. You need Jesus. You see, God wasn't satisfied leaving humanity in its state of brokenness. He was not satisfied because He loves us. He loves you. He wasn't willing to allow humanity to remain in a state of sin held under the power of sin, held under the power of death, hell, and of Satan. So God promised a Savior. Someone would be born of a woman, and that one born of a woman would come to crush the head of Satan. Thanks be to God, Jesus was born of a woman 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem's manger. He lived, he died, and he rose again to reverse the curse of humanity's brokenness. So that was Genesis chapter 3. The next passage that Genesis, uh, in which Genesis foretells the coming of Jesus is Genesis chapter 12. So today we go to Genesis chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. The Lord had said to, and here's a man named Abram. If you know the story of Abram, you know that later God changed his name to what? Abraham. So as I refer to Abram, as I'm preaching, I'll I'll use the name Abraham. Even though I know that technically maybe the passage I'm speaking of, his name was Abram. 
but through the sermon I'll just be using the name Abraham once I'm finished with this reading. So the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. He says, God says, the Lord says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Now, if you know the story of of Abraham and Sarah, you know that they can't have kids. Abraham and Sarah struggled with infertility. Sarah couldn't get pregnant. In order for Abraham to become a great nation, he has to have a child. If there's no child, then there's no descendants. And if there are no descendants, then there's no nation. So here's the promise. Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And here it is. And all the peoples on earth, not just his family, not just one nation, but all peoples. And that word could also be translated families or clans. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We know through the narrative of Scripture that eventually Abraham and Sarah conceived. They bore a child. That child uh, had children, and and that child had children, and, and then there were 12 sons. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes was the tribe of Judah. And from the tribe of Judah came the blessing. The blessing of Jesus. So how are all nations blessed? Through Abraham? Through the family of Abraham, the Messiah. The one who came to crush the head of Satan was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, buried, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. This is the gospel in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Then verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, and again Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. His nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out from, for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree, Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. Today, the descendants of Abraham are in that land, the nation of Israel. And they're still scattered throughout the world. They live within our community. To your offspring, I will give this land. 
And since, since I can remember, and since probably most of you can remember, there has been a dispute over this line, to your offspring I will give this land. They shoot rockets. They're at war over the land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Aon the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. Here ends the reading of God's word. May the Lord add his blessing to it. God chose Abraham. God chose Abraham. He told Abraham, go from your homeland and go to the land that I will show you. And then he gives this great, magnificent, incredible promise to Abraham. So who was Abraham? Well, Abraham came from the land of the Ur of Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. He lived in an ancient civilization in Iraq. In Joshua chapter 24, we learn that Abraham worshipped idols. He worshipped false gods. Most likely, he worshipped the god Nana. The god Nana, who was the moon god. We don't know the details, but in his grace, God revealed himself to Abraham. God called Abraham when he was an idolater in the Ur of the Chaldees. And he made this great promise of a land, of a, of a nation, and of being a blessing to all people. God chose Abraham. But as you study the life of Abraham, you might be surprised that God would choose a man like Abraham. You, you would think that God would choose a really terrific guy, a really godly person who didn't struggle with believing God's promises and didn't struggle to obey God's promises. But Abraham was a man who struggled in his walk with God. He struggled just like you struggle to believe God's promises. He struggled just like you struggle to obey God's commands. We all struggle to believe God and to obey God. And that's the story of Abraham's life. Abraham did some terrible things. All you have to do is read the rest of Genesis chapter 12 and see and read how Abraham treated his wife, Sarah. Did you know that unbelief and disobedience is one of the main themes throughout the Bible? Adam and Eve struggled with belief and obedience. Yes. Abraham struggled. Yes. All of the so-called heroes of the Old Testament struggled to believe and to obey. Amen. Yet God continually, relentlessly, in His love and mercy, continued to pursue His people to love his people, and to give the promise of Messiah to his people. Unfaithfulness, unbelief, and disobedience. And I'm so glad that God makes unconditional promises to sinners. He doesn't base the promise of grace and mercy through Jesus. He doesn't base it upon the conditions that we you know, make sure our lives are all in order. 
Now, I've heard some people say, well, I'll, I'll come to Jesus, I'll trust in Jesus once I, I get things straightened out in my life, once I, I uh, can, can deal with some of these, these struggles and habits and hang-ups in my life. Then I'll come to Jesus. But that, that's, that's like a dirty a person who's, who's covered in, in, in uh, dirt and sweat saying, well, I'm going to clean myself up before I take a shower. Doesn't work that way. You come to Jesus with your mess, with your unbelief, and with your disobedience. Because God is a God of grace and mercy. And this grace and mercy, it's not for people who have it all together. God's grace and mercy isn't for those who believe that they're holier than others. God's grace and mercy is for people like you and I. We recognize our brokenness. We recognize our struggle to obey, to believe God's promises. And are you glad that God is faithful to you even when you struggle to believe and to obey? He remains faithful to you. Heard a preacher one time, TV preacher, and he said that, he said this, he said, if you never give up on God, God will never give up on you. And I thought, well, that, that's not true. We always give up on God. But He never gives up on us. And this is what the Old Testament story has revealed to us of a disobedient, unbelieving people whom God pursues with love. God doesn't choose people according to a worldly standard of qualifications. If we had to go before God and be interviewed for admittance into his family, each and every one of us would fail the interview miserably. Maybe you're thinking today, I'm too messed up. Not good enough. I struggle. I struggle to believe. I struggle to obey. The good news for you today is that God, His arms are open wide to people like you and I who struggle in life. And Abraham's family was dysfunctional. Abraham's family was like a Jerry Springer episode. If you're, if you're young, you probably never saw Jerry Springer. But if you're old like me, days that you were sick, stayed home from school, maybe days you were sick and were home from work, this crazy show, the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> let, me, let me prove to you that uh, Abraham's family was dysfunctional like a Jerry Springer episode. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, to save his own life, Abraham lied about his wife and said that she's not my wife, she's my sister. Abraham was afraid that if he said that, his, that Sarah was his wife, that, that Pharaoh would kill him because Sarah was beautiful and that, that, he would, that Pharaoh would kill Abraham and take Sarah to be his own. So Abraham lied and said, Sarah is not my wife. She's my sister. Pharaoh took Sarah. 
to be her own. Didn't go too well. Because God's hand was on that. Messed up. Abraham had a child through his wife's servant, Hagar. And it was Sarah's idea. They couldn't have kids. So Sarah said, have you considered my servant, Hagar? So Abraham took his wife's servant and had a child through his wife's servant. Messed up. Then later, God promised Abraham a child in his old age. Abraham laughed at God. Sarah heard the same promise and she laughed at God. You see, God gave his promise to a man who struggled in his faith walk. He gave his promise of a savior to a person who struggled to believe and to obey. You struggle today? You struggle in your walk with God? If you do, welcome to the club. The so-called heroes of the faith struggle too. God doesn't choose people who have their lives worked out. God chooses imperfect people like me and like you to fulfill his purpose and to fulfill his promise through. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What an amazing promise. Abraham would be blessed with offspring more numerous than the stars in the sky. God took Abraham out into the evening sky said, Look at the stars. Can you count them? Abraham couldn't count the stars in the sky. And God says that your offspring, your family, will be greater in number than the stars in the sky. A nation was birthed through Abraham. That nation is Israel. And through Israel, Jesus was born. And Bethlehem's manger, the Savior who is the blessing of the nations, has come. Not only the blessing of the nations, but your blessing today. Amen. Today, through Jesus, you have the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And you have the promise of everlasting life. So in this life, we, we have come to believe in Jesus. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet we struggle in our faith walk. So today, before I close, I want to give us two things that will help us in our walk with God. As we struggle in our faith walk, I want to ask the question, how are we strengthened in faith? If you're like me, you, you recognize that you need to be strengthened in your faith. How are we strengthened in faith? Well, number one, through God's word. Through God's word. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word about Christ. So through his word. Now, now his word 
is powerful and active. The Bible isn't a dead history book. The Bible is the very Word of God. And when God speaks, there's power. There's power. And if we, are to, if we are to be strengthened, if we are to grow in our faith walk, we get to open up our Bibles. We get to hear his word, read his word, and then our faith is strengthened. So this Advent season, in all the days of your life, don't neglect your Bible. Keep the word of God open. Read it. Pray it. Meditate upon it, and you'll be strengthened in your faith. Psalm, the psalmist, writes of the power of God's word in Psalm 19. And the psalmist says in Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Refreshing the soul. Do you need the refreshment of your soul your inner being today? I don't know about you, but but I need my soul to be refreshed. I can sleep, get rest, and still end up with the sense that I need a deeper refreshment and rest. That comes through His Word. Open His Word. Read His Word. Pray his word. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. His word makes the simple wise. Do you need wisdom today? What are you facing in life? What are the struggles that you have today in which wisdom is required? Go to his word. The precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart. You need God's joy today? Don't neglect the scriptures. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And then it says they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. Sometimes people are tempted to believe that if their bank account is real fat, then all their problems will go away. But the psalmist, who by the way was a wealthy man, says that the word of the Lord is more precious than gold than much pure gold. There is nothing in this world that is of greater value than God's Word. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And I like sweets. (laughs) But God's Word is sweeter than honey. Believe God's Word. For in believing there is great reward. Now don't get me wrong. This great reward isn't the reward of the health and wealth gospel. You know those preachers that that say that 
that, that if you have enough faith, you're never going to be sick. Your bank account's always going to be full. It's not the reward I'm talking about. I'm talking about a deeper reward. You know, a, a reward in which you can have your body racked with illness, just, just uh, terrible things happening to you physically, your bank account empty, and yet you know that you are the richest person on earth. Even though you don't have your health and you don't have the riches and wealth of this world. So we are called to God's word, to believe his word, and then number two, to obey God's word. Obey God's word. Now, our obedience to God isn't a burden, but it's a privilege. Not a burden, but a privilege. It's a privilege for us to obey because we are so grateful for all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his all. And so it's our privilege to say, Lord, I obey your word. Not to try to earn salvation or to get something from God, but because God has already given us such a precious gift in Jesus. You have been liberated from the curse of sin. We've tasted the goodness of God. We found that the gospel of Jesus Christ is sweeter than honey. And this is why we hear God's word, believe God's word, and we obey God's word. Not a burden, but a joy. And like us, Abraham wasn't very good at any of these things. Again, he lied about his wife to King Pharaoh. He had a child with his wife's servant girl. He laughed when he was promised a son. Yet through all of Abraham's failures and sins, God still gave him an everlasting, unconditional promise that through him a nation would be birthed. Eventually, Abraham matured in his walk with God. Abraham and his wife Sarah did have a child in their old age. Isaac was born. Isaac was the fulfillment of the promise. Isaac had a son, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And Abraham, as he walked with God, continually hearing the promise, you know, God didn't come to him just once, but God came to him many times, reiterated the promise. And as God learned to walk, as Abraham learned to walk with God, Abraham matured in his faith and in his belief. Abraham's faith and obedience far surpassed my ability to believe and to obey. It's written in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 and 19. The author of Hebrews wrote, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. <laughs> I could never do that. 
take one of my kids, to lay one of my children on the altar of sacrifice, literally on an altar, to literally sacrifice. But Abraham believed God. Abraham obeyed God. Listen to what it says in verse 19. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Verse 19 of Hebrews 11, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Abraham's belief and obedience was so strong that he believed that if he did sacrifice Isaac upon the altar, that God would still fulfill his promise by raising his son from the dead. The author of Hebrews writes, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham grew in his faith. He grew in his belief of God's promises, and he grew in his obedience to God's commands. And today, through Abraham, all nations are blessed through Jesus, seed of the woman. Mary conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit and brought forth the promise given to Abraham. But Abraham also serves as a picture of Jesus. There are some similarities between Abraham and Jesus. First of all, Abraham was called to leave his homeland. He was called to leave his father's house. Think of Jesus. Jesus left the glory and the splendor of heaven, his father's home. And he dwelt among us. So God had given to Abraham this command, go from your country your people, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Jesus left his father's home in heaven. In John 1.14, it is written, The word became flesh. Jesus came, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally means he tabernacle or he, he pitched his tent among us. Jesus made his home here. In the same way, Abraham left his father's house to go to a land that was born. Jesus left his father in heaven to come for us. But Abraham continually failed to believe and obey, but Jesus, he always obeyed. He obeyed the Father perfectly in every way. And in that, he was the perfect, spotless sacrifice. Our once and for all sacrifice. And through the shedding of his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins. You see, God isn't satisfied leaving you in your brokenness today. Not satisfied leaving you there. Today, you, you come here broken, and that's why this church is here, by the way. Amen. This church is for broken people. Are you like me? 
You struggle in your walk with God? You find it hard to believe God's promises? To obey his word? Today I have good news of great joy that is for you and for all people. Jesus loves you. He loves you unconditionally. Jesus died for you. He shed his blood upon the cross. And today, all of your sins are washed away. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Today, you live in a right relationship with God. Not because of your own good works, but because of the grace and mercy of Jesus. And some may be listening today, either here in the sanctuary or I know that the roads have been icy, it's not ideal, so others are joining us online. Maybe you have not come to that place yet where you believe on the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Today, today is the day to come to Christ. He's already come to you. Today is the day to repent and to believe the good news of this gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostles, what do they preach? They preach, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Jesus doesn't demand that we do all these things, that we get ourselves cleaned up. He doesn't make demands upon our moral condition before we come to him. He says, come to me with who you are today. The hymn writer said, just as I am. And that's how Jesus invites you to come today, just as you are. The apostles, they proclaimed a message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they proclaimed baptism. The baptism in water. I've been thinking we need to proclaim the same message that the disciples, the apostles proclaimed to believe, but also to be baptized. So if you've never been baptized, I encourage you to talk with me. And we would love to provide that for you, to receive the promise that God gives in the waters of baptism. We don't want you to miss out on the gift of Jesus today, to miss out on the blessing that was given to Abraham, that, was, that, that blossomed through the birth of the Virgin Mary and which is available for you today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, uh, I need you today just as much as anybody else in this world needs you today. And so, Lord, I, I come before you, and I know that my brothers and sisters in Christ are here today. We were all coming before you with humble hearts, acknowledging our brokenness, acknowledging our struggle as Christians to believe and to obey, and asking you, Lord, once again to forgive us, proclaiming once again that you died for us, that you rose from death to life for us, and to proclaim that in you we have the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for this great gift. And now, Lord, help us to live in it, to not neglect it, but to be a people who open your word. Receive that refreshment. 
that blessing that comes from your word. And then to be a people who walk in obedience with joyful hearts. We ask that you would do this in us and through us. So in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say, Amen.